Algar Productions. Despite the title, the following podcast is most decidedly not for kids. This is the Kids Love Batman podcast with your hosts, Matt Robotham and Ron Algar Watt. Episode 38, Bane and Baby Doll. Hi chums, it's uh, this, would you say this is the strangest mix of episodes maybe that we'll ever have? Definitely an odd combination of characters, I would say. But not just the, I mean, the characters are diametrically different, but I would say the tones of these two episodes mm-hmm. are wildly different as well. Mm-hmm. And like also, got, weirdly, yeah. not what I would give to any children watching this animated series. Yeah, that's really the, the apart from, you know, superficially dealing with Batman, that, that, that's really the only thing these two have in common, mm-hmm. is, that, oh yeah, <laughs> Neither of these are really for kids at all. They're yeah, not no. going to follow what's going on, or or maybe shouldn't. What 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 what's the deal with these two characters? Glad you asked. Well, one of them is hired to murder Batman, and is also betraying a mobster by sleeping with his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other one has serious psychological issues. What's that? Definitely sleeping with his girlfriend. Yes, and the other one has serious, deep-set psychological issues. Mm-hmm. Not not in that fun way that, you know, a lot of the, the sort of wackier villains do, but like in a, in a really disturbed, yeah. like unfortunate, sort of sympathetic way. Mm-hmm. So when <laughs> does they're... Batman punch somebody? Oh, that happens too. So, mm-hmm. well, let's let's get into it, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Why don't why don't you start? Why don't you start? Well. As everybody knows, I have a deep and long-running respect for the character of Bane, who first appeared in the Batman crossover Nightfall in 1993. With that in mind, I will be turning the reading of this summary over to Bane from the 2012 movie The Dark Knight Rises, as portrayed by real actor and person Tom Hardy, a character whose voice is in no way ridiculous or annoying to possible co-hosts on this podcast, and which I find in no way hilarious almost ten years after the rest of the world has tired of it. Me, 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 me. Yes, thank you, Matt, a person who is different from me. This week, a mysterious plane arrives in Gotham City, a plane so mysterious that it has Gotham written on the side of it. Leaving it are a couple of normos and a giant Mexican luchador in a very nice hat. This is Bane, an assassin hired by Rupert Thorne and drooled over by his secretary, Candace. Thorne has hired Bane for a price of $5 million in tiny suitcase-sized diamonds to finally kill Batman. Bane proves himself to be an intelligent and canny foe and not just a giant Wesselman addicted to pipe-based steroids. He observes Batman and Robin as they chase down an escaped killer croc who has taken the advice of former President Biff Tannen and is attempting to get a safe. Croc, who has taken Croc, briefly escapes Batman and Bane, deciding that he has learned enough to finally defeat Batman, beats the ever-loving shit out of Croc, and then trashes Batman's car. An unforgivable insult. Back at the Batcave, Batman re- researches possible recently created comic book villains that kids might like to see in this cartoon, and realizes that Bane has finally arrived. The basic observation over the course of one night has led Bane to realize what we viewers already know. Batman's weak link is Robin, the boy so stupid that he once threw the Clock King out of a window to see if time could fly. (laughs) He kidnaps the boy wonder and chains him up in a pool with rising water, the absolute base-level death trap. Like, that's not even slow-moving spikes dangerous. Batman arrives to take down Bane, and then they punch each other for a while. Bane uses his deadly drug tubes to inflate his muscles with steroids, which is definitely how steroids work. Using his Batman brain, Batman goes for the traditional superhero tactic of You want power? I'll give you all the power! And smashes Bane's tubes, pumping too much steroids into him, which almost makes him cartoonishly explode. A fitting end for Batman's newest, greatest foe. Then Batman tosses Bane on Rupert Thorne's desk and rats out Candace to him. So I guess he just decided not to arrest anyone this week. Cool. Very cool. Are you done? I am done. Okay. I think part of the problem is that the Harley Quinn show also thinks that voice is hilarious. I And so did the Batman Lego movie. 
<sighs> who hired a comedian who was famous for his Bane impression to play Bane. The thing is, like, okay, I get it. It's not for me, but I understand. A lot of people will think that's funny. That's fine. Mm-hmm. It's just, it does undercut. Like, this is a very, very dangerous character. Oh, yeah. Like, he fucks some shit up in this episode. And, like, I am notoriously outspoken about, like, grim dark 90s mm-hmm. bullshit and, like, big, ridiculous muscle characters like this, like, that that show up and, like, mess up the hero so that the hero's replaced by someone you never heard of. Yeah. And, like, I, that's not my thing at all. But but they made it work. Like, they really took this this shambling pile of a character. Well, that's the thing. Bane as a character works, and it's weird. Like, you don't get a whole lot of new characters that stick around, you know? Like, most of the time, comics tend to stick to whatever works, and you get, like, maybe one or two characters that actually have any staying power. And Bane did, just like... like Yeah, but again, it sort of, he's sort of, like, he's just doomsday to me. Like, I know... You read the comics, there's more to him, I'm sure, but from the outside, reading only the occasional comic and seeing covers from time to time, mm. it seemed like he was like the doomsday for Batman. He's oh, like yeah. big, he stupid muscle guy who shows up and, and nearly kills him, and that's it. But the thing is, the problem with Doomsday is that like he just beat the shit out of Superman, which is boring. Like yeah, ba- Bane did the same thing to Batman though. He just broke his back. That's all. Yeah, but like that uh, that ignores the whole like lead up to him where like he spends like 2 months like sending every single uh rogue in Batman's like like rogues gallery to like wear him down at, to the point where he just like when he beats the shit out of him it's easy. Like it's actually a really good comic. Huh. And it's I the, guess like, I never got past the whole 90s-ness of it. So. Oh, I get it. But, but like, it, it's actually very good for its time. Well, but beyond that, though, mm-hmm. like, it also works in this show. This oh, yeah. show that's so grounded in, like, 40s noir mm-hmm. and, like, you know, like, everything about this show, like, yeah, it's taken on different tones before, but this is a whole new direction. This was a very new character. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I think he'd been introduced, like, the year before or something. Yeah, and given the you know the long development of of animation, I wouldn't be surprised if they developed this character like while he was still mm-hmm. on the drawing board at DC. You know, oh easily. They're like, what what do you got? What do you guys got coming up? Is there anything we can use on the show? Yeah, okay, we'll use this guy, and it it fits this world surprisingly well. Mm-hmm. Well, I love his just his arrival as and just like the way everyone just sort of treats him as like this big threat, just like oh fuck. But it's not like, it's not like when you get a poorly written new character who's better than anyone who's ever been, and they're oh, all yeah. like, "Oh yeah, you heard of the, you heard of Hordak? He's Skeletor's boss." <laughs> Nothing scarier. Uh huh. Actually, oh, no, no, I'm Hordak. Uh, hey, hey y'all, guys. I'm Hordak. Or, my last name is Tompkins. <laughs> um. But this is kind of my good thing. I like that Bane is an escalation of the sort of guys that Batman has fought to this point. Like, mm-hmm. bringing in Croc to show us that, A, Bane can whoop his ass without breaking a sweat, and B, Bane is an, an idiot like Croc, mm-hmm. does a great job of establishing this. You're like, okay, we've seen Batman really struggle with this guy. Bane can do take him out no problem. Yeah. But also, he's got strategy, which Croc doesn't have. So. Yeah. That's the other thing. Like Bane's smart. Like, oh yeah, no. There's a there's a few times where they go way out of their way to make him like surprisingly crafty. Like, yeah, smarter than a lot of Batman's ostensibly smart villains. Mm-hmm. Like, he's more clever than the Riddler. I would say, yeah. who's supposed to be smart. Here's an idea. Have you ever thought about paying attention to the guy you're trying to kill? Just study him. Study him for a sec. See what he does. Nah, nah. I think I got this. Guy in a bat costume. I'll kick his ass easy. Sure. Get on the pile with Mad Hatter and the Scarecrow. I also like that um, the, um, the what I had talked about a week or two ago, like this world is so dense now that most of the characters are like from previous episodes. Like, Oh, yeah. You got Rupert Thorne hiring Bane to take out Batman, and he first does it this by fighting Killer Croc. It's like this world feels so full now you know yeah i love that it's really good yeah no and again i was very surprised yeah but 
my my kids love that. I want to just jump to my kids love Batman sure. thing here. Because, like, the entire episode? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we talked about this for a sec, a minute ago, but, like, the tone of this one was, like, really grim. Like, it was yeah. borderline, it was borderline grimdark, but it wasn't to the point where I didn't like it. Like, it mm-hmm. wasn't like comics of this era or, like, Zack Snyder's DC movies. Ugh. You know, it was, it was, but it was serious mm-hmm. and pretty violent and pretty just, like, and there was some humor that undercut it from time to time, but it was still just surprisingly dark. Yeah. And I imagine, you know, you were the one who was a kid at this point, mm-hmm. but I, I would imagine, like, Bane was, like, next-level nightmare fuel for kids. He he takes drugs to get strong. Mm-hmm. He's The way his eyes bulge out, like they're about to pop out of his head at the end. I like it, legit- it looks sort of crazy cartoony, but it's like that. It's like the end of Roger Rabbit. It's oh, like, yeah. Where it, it's like, it, it, like this is cartoony, but like this is this is three seconds away from being something that I'm not supposed to be seeing. Yeah. It, it had that Judge Doom is dying vibe where yeah. it's like you're taking the rules of how cartoons work, but you're distorting them so that it's genuinely upsetting. Yeah. And it really works. Oh, yeah. No, like, this is something I would have watched and, been, like, I would have turned this off. Just, like, like that <laughs> guy's going to uh, explode. And I can't see that. You would have preemptively turned it off before your mom came in the room? I would have turned it off because I didn't want to have nightmares that night. And then <laughs> I opposed... would have anyway that would have been 100% worse than anything I ever saw. Oh, yeah. Like, speculating what you missed? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the... interesting. Just because you were, like, you were, like... Uh, unhappy that your mom like said you couldn't watch the show anymore because it was scary but mm-hmm. you know now you admit well, okay maybe she was right about some of it I mean well the thing was always like I was mad that my mom wouldn't let me watch it because it was scary but also it was scary and I didn't want to be scared well alright I was a complicated child no not really I mean you know kids like to watch stuff they're not supposed to watch I mean that is true uh, but the yeah, bit where those eye, the little uh, the lenses on his fucking mask pop out because his eyes are bulging. Ugh. Yeah, no, that was very good. Mm-hmm. And again, it looked silly for a second, but then then it didn't. Yeah, it's just very good. Uh, what was your good thing? Uh, I fucking love Rupert Thorne's former secretary Candace in this. Like she's shown up a couple of times as sort of like background, and she's always been great. But like. This episode, when she teams up with and is definitely goddamn thirsty for Bane, is so fucking good. Oh, yeah. No, they give her some lustful looks. Oh, like, my God. That you, you talk about probably as a kid you should turn this off because this is not appropriate for you. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, those two are fucking, and they are making it as clear as they can on this Fox children's cartoon. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love how into him she is. I love her betraying Thorn to him, and I really love that she just dives into a pool to beat the shit out of Robin. Who- oh my god! So so Robin's down there, and he does that thing where so like they're at a harbor or something, and yes, she's knocked him in the water, which which is like whatever. But like he's he's you know ten feet below her, mm-hmm. and he's doing that thing that you do in a fight where he's like, "Come on, come at me!" Mm-hmm. And like. He's down there in the water. She's up there dry. Mm-hmm. And like, what are you doing, child? Shut up. And then she jumps in and tries to drown him. <laughs> yeah. it's gr- There's a shot where she's like trying to tear off a chunk of his shoulder with her teeth. Yeah. And there's no, like, again, there's no reason for it. He's just provoking her. But she's like, yeah, I could take out this kid. Sure. Why not? Mm-hmm. And she does a really good job, partly because Robin is terrible, but also because she's awesome. I just, I love that. She's not fighting for her life. She's fighting just because she wants to kill him. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason. It's like, well, I could probably beat the shit out of Robin. Let me just get my expensive shoes off and fucking dive in there. Yeah, in this gross, nasty harbor water. Mm-hmm. She's awesome. More of her, please. Yeah, she was great. Mm-hmm. Get get her to like pick up Bane's mask and you know maybe I'm, don't use the steroids. But uh... I'm the new Bane. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, but this kind of ties into your bad thing. Uh, yeah. Um, touched on this in almost every episode he's appeared in at this point. But, uh, Robin, if you can't escape from being chained up in a pool of rising water, I don't think you deserve to be Robin. Yeah. I mentioned this point. in my summary. This is base level shit, man. Like, they ch- he's chained up by his hands and, like, 
got like a weight on his legs, and then they just let water rise around him. That's mm-hmm. Houdini shit. If Houdini can escape from your death trap, it's not a very good death trap. I mean, Houdini was famous for it. He's very good at it. Come that's on. The th- that's the Give thing. Houdini some credit. No, that's the thing. If he can do it, like, it should be easy for anyone wearing a superhero costume. Well, okay. It's uh, it's just, yeah, he's he's just terrible. That's, like, that's pathetic, Robin. Come on, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's real, real bad. Like, this this, this is, might be the worst we've seen him. This is kindergarten shit for you, by which I mean Bruce made you do this in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. Well, all I know is, and I keep saying this, there are be- there's a better Robin on the horizon, and he absolutely could escape from something like that. Good, because good lord. What yeah. the fuck did they think this guy deserved to have the end in the title? Like... Jesus Christ. Yeah, we're we're well into the era. I believe this was like I I think we're in what they call the third season. It's hard mm-hmm. to tell because of the way like kids TV worked back then. Yeah. But but we're definitely well into the Batman and Robin Adventures era. Mm-hmm. So maybe yeah. Robin should have a couple of adventures instead of just sucking. I mean, I don't want an epi- another episode about Robin, but they haven't had one since they rebranded, which feels weird if you're shifting the focus. Mm-hmm. It's weird that the show's not more about him than it was before. It's the same about him, which is not much. Yeah. And also, he still sucks. Yeah, it's like Batman is off doing Batman stuff, and occasionally Robin pokes his head up to go, I'm helping, Batman! Mm-hmm. And then they put a well, plastic fire helmet on him. <laughs> well, he does something that's about at his level in the next episode that I'll, I'll summarize in a few minutes. Like, that's, that's watch about... Watches television? <laughs> disguises himself as a fat loser that's that's like that that's that's pretty much uh that's about all he can do um my bad thing i mean apart from matt doing the bane voice how dare you when batman leaves croc's hospital room after he's questioned him he says later gator and batman come on gators and crocs are entirely different animals you know this come on man you're i know you trained for at least a year to be the world's greatest zoologist I mean, he definitely could wrestle a gator. Oh, yeah. We've seen it. Which is a, you know, which is a a, a fighting style, like a, you know, a drunk Florida man fighting mm-hmm. style, but a fighting style. He studied them all. The thing is, he could wrestle a gator, but he couldn't wrestle a dial. Well, this, it's a different animal. Mm-hmm. And I was gonna, I was gonna get more specific with my, with my little joke here. Like I, I looked it up, like you know, because alligators live in North America and crocodiles are from Australia. It, mm-hmm. No, it turns out they're both from everywhere, and I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. But I'm not Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fine if you don't know. It's not fine if he doesn't know. He's supposed I, to be smarter than us. I, I also like then deleted the reference because I didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> I didn't just call a crocodile man an alligator. Come on, man. <laughs> Get your shit together, Batman. Yeah. And fire Robin while you're at it. Yeah. That's part of Scarecrow's brain. What's that? That's part of getting your shit together. Well, yes. Sometimes you gotta drop the dead wood. Mm Mm-hmm. So let's talk about Bane's actual voice. Yes. Um you and and you wrote down the dude who played him. I recognize that name and I don't remember from where. I think it was in The Godfather. I'm kind of surprised you don't, because he's apparently I looked this up yesterday. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, hang on. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah. It's Henry Silva. Is yeah, he's name. a big character. Like, he's done a ton of stuff. Yeah, he he often played gangsters. He, he I'm 90% sure, was in The Godfather. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like, I'm. he was in, you know, as you say, millions of other things. Yeah. But, like, that's, I think, how I know him. Nope, I'm wrong. He wasn't. Mm. But I definitely recognize him from, like, old movies. He played, yeah. like I say, he played gangsters a lot. And... Um, he is, uh, uh, let's see, Puerto Rican, I think it says. Is like it? He's, okay. Yeah, he's, he's of Sicilian and Spanish descent, it says, but, uh, somewhere down here it says Puerto Rican. E- mm. Either way, like, it's not his actual accent, but I think he does a good job with it. Like, he yeah. sounds like a, a tough, scary luchador dude. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, it's nice, it's also nice them actually having him be, like, from South America, uh, Bane's one of those characters that gets whited up a whole lot. <laughs> well, yes, Tom Hardy, the, like the the most white English the guy, whitest man you know. alive. I mean, one of them. Uh huh. He, he's a clone of Captain Picard, you know. Mm-hmm. You can tell because he's bald. He sure is. 
Uh-huh. But it, like even in the comics, like Bane's one of those characters that gets uh, like uh, th- th- his skin color gets whitened a, a lot, mm-hmm. which happens to but a the lot mask, of non. The mask is from a culture, like from a very specific culture. It's yeah. hard to it's hard to misinterpret that. Yeah, that's the that's the worst part. It's like the dude is literally like wearing a luchador mask. Yeah, and I don't know shit about any of that. I don't want to I don't want to misspeak about any of that. But I I do know. You know, it's from down there, mm. so that's all you need to know, really, yeah. as far as drawing the guy. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's too bad. But what I like is that he has a really smooth, just sort of, like, calm voice. Like, Batman, I'm going to murder you now. Yeah. And it's, it's like, I don't know, that adds to it to me. Like, he gets angry a little bit, mm-hmm. but mostly it's just, it's scary because he's just sort of level and smooth and, like, ooh. But I can't. <laughs> like, that adds to it. Yeah. I love I love him getting off the plane where he's just like like he's just he's dressed in like a really nice suit and like hat. He's still got his his mask on and he's yeah, I guess, like 4 feet taller than everyone on the plane. Yeah, like he has to stoop down to fit through the door. I just I I would I would love to have seen him on the trip over. Just sir, can I get you another drink? Yes, another drink would be lovely. <laughs> I um I did think they should have talked about the actual luchador thing for a second. Mm-hmm. Because at the end, Batman unmasks him in front of Rupert Thorne, and it's a big dramatic moment. And yeah, I feel and it... like, because I don't know anything about this, and I'm, I'm sure some people in the audience also don't. Like, mm-hmm. A lot of kids are into wrestling stuff, I get that. Sure. But not not everyone knows this. I feel like just just one line of exposition explaining just what a dishonor, what a, you know, what a, what a horrible like shame thing it is. Mm-hmm. To do that to him, like they sold it visually, yeah. But I just didn't quite understand what it was like, what what, what the deeper meaning of it was. Yes, yeah. I I know a tiny bit about uh, uh about uh, luchadors, and I know that like taking like taking the mask off at the end of the match means you've completely dishonored your opponent. Right. No, I get that, but also if if Mexican wrestling is like American wrestling, then mm-hmm. it's all a big you know fun show for fun. Uh-huh. It's not a serious thing where like taking off your mask dishonors you. And I, th- I think it's probably more serious than that over there. But I again, I don't know. It, it, it is. There was a guy, I think, and again, I know very little about this, but I know a tiny bit. There was a guy, uh, I think his name was uh, El Santo, who... Yeah, he was in a movie that they covered on MST3K. That's yes! how I know him. <laughs> yes. Uh, he never took his mask off. Mm-hmm. Ever. Like, he was buried in it. Yeah, but that could just be a method actor thing. It could be a goofy sure. thing. Or it could be a serious tradition with, you know, like a ton of history behind it. I just don't know. And I just wanted the show to, mm. to tell me because I, I don't know. that in any way. Yeah. I mean, I again, I got what it was supposed to mean. Mm. It was all sold completely visually. It just, you know, it would have worked for me a little better if I like knew what it meant. Mm-hmm. But still good. Still a good yeah. moment. There were some bits where uh, Bane like bulks up with his, you know, dumb steroid juice Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, Batman just starts swinging. And because Bane's so huge, he's like he's hitting his midsection is about as high as he can reach. And he very much looks like little Mac (laughs) just like jumping up to punch his mid midsection is the highest he can reach. I got to punch him until the shorts fall down. Join the Nintendo Fun Club today, Batman. (laughs) Thanks, Robin. <laughs> I'm already a member. Mm-hmm. I hate you so much. <laughs> uh, what else? Uh, let's see. Oh, there's a moment where Rupert Thorne's frustrated because uh, one of his operations has just been ruined. Mm-hmm. And he, he throws down a newspaper with a with a banner headline talking about Rupert uh, Rupert Thorne and a big picture of Rupert Thorne and he says they'll never pin it on me. <laughs> what? Like okay, maybe you won't go to jail for it, but clearly they know it's you cuz look. Dude, they have pinned it on you. Nah. Also, I may have just accidentally said Rupert Murdoch and if I did, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> a much more evil character. Yeah, I I don't mean to to slight Rupert Thorne, like his good sully his good name there. Uh-huh. Uh, what else? Uh, we get Batman torturing Croc in the hospital. Yeah, I'm never really a fan of of torture Batman, but I know that's part of the gig. Neither am I, but they do keep bringing it back. I know. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, Croc's 
the, like in the actual traction. Mm-hmm. And Batman just like turns the lever a little and put, like tightens up the thing and yeah. like you know. Ugh. Here's the thing: I like this Batman threatening to do to to do that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like to make him look scary, but like I'm not a fan of him actually doing it. You know. There's well, this is this is from one of our direct-to-video things that we're about to record, so like it doesn't really count. But there's mm-hmm. a in uh, Under the Red Hood, there's a moment where he pulls that move perfectly because it's it's something that seems dangerous to the people he's threatening but isn't actually uh-huh. and to me that's the perfect sweet spot yeah where something dramatic happens and they're like ah but it's actually fine mm-hmm. but i enjoyed that surprisingly i, I should not have <laughs> should not have enjoyed that as much as i did like that whole thing well i know how much you like the red hood as a character i have no i have no actual opinion on the red hood i don't like jason todd sure but, you know, based on that hour and 15 minute mm-hmm. feature length cartoon, I do. Turns out he's great, actually. Huh? All right. Anything else? Uh, I think that's it. There's a bit where Bane's carrying Robin, whom he just beat the shit out of, to my delight. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's very evocative of the old Robin Dies at Dawn comic. Ah, I didn't notice that. But uh, that's about it. All right. Well, you got a quote for us? I do. Is it from this episode and it not Dark Knight episode. Rises? Okay, good. Uh, I really like uh, Batman taking it personally. You seem to have a ding in your door, sir. He trashed my car, Alfred. Between a couple of guys, that's real personal. I hated that line. <laughs> really? That was so funny to me. Because he's like, that's a, that's a thing you don't do to a dude. Like, what? what? Who are you? Nothing better than this. Bros being dudes. Yeah, well, that's not your thing, man. You're you're rich, and also the car it doesn't matter. I also love that Bane beat the shit out of the Batmobile. Yeah. Like, I just pictured, like, punching it a bunch of times and then picking up and doing a body slam on it. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. How are you going to drive home without a car, Batman? Batman shows up and is like, they trashed my car. And he looks closer, look at it. They punched my car. <laughs> I know who um, Bane's voice reminded me of. It reminded me of uh, Ricardo Maltoban. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Rich Corinthian leather. It's what my mask is made of. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else? Uh, that's it. Okay. Shifting gears wildly uh-huh. to Baby Doll. Someone is kidnapping sitcom stars, and apparently only Batman can get to the bottom of this one. Remember when I literally saved the entire Earth from Rachel Ghoul? It was only a few weeks ago, Batman sighs. I mean, if the cops can't handle this one themselves, can I at least just send Robin? I remember sitcoms, Batman, says Robin. I used to watch them when I was a kid, between video games. This causes Batman to lay his head gently on a table for eight or ten minutes before taking the deepest breath he's ever breathed and then resolving to help the cops, because even with stakes as low as these, Robin would 100% make this worse, somehow. So the sitcom in question, which has been off the air for some time now, was called Love That Baby. It starred Mary Dahl, a child actor who didn't appear to age thanks to an advanced case of hypoplasia. Also, her name is actually Dahl, because if there's one thing Gotham City excels at, it's nominative determinism. So, as Love That Baby's ratings began to falter, as sitcom ratings so often do, the star was sidelined in favor of an even more obnoxiously precocious child character, as they so often are. In this particular case, Mary was pushed aside to make way for a Cousin Oliver type called Spunky. This drove Mary to jump off the gravy train to star in some live-action Scooby-Doo movies and... uh, Wait, I'm sorry, that was Sarah Michelle Gellar's gravy train. Uh, Mary attempted a career on stage and bombed hard as Lady Macbeth, so she faded into obscurity. Well... Okay, no, she didn't. That's what would have happened in our world. But this is the DC animated universe, so she completely lost her shit and began kidnapping her former castmates, knocking them unconscious, stripping them naked, dressing them in their characters' costumes, and now she's holding them all hostage in a recreation of the Love That Baby set. Also, she has a completely terrifying personal assistant who threatens to kick the ever-loving shit out of anyone who tries to escape. And then she delivers on that threat when Sitcom Dad attempts exactly that. Because nothing will stand between Baby and the family she lost. Who boy. If I were less sensitive to the plight of the mentally ill, I'd be making that lip-strumming noise right now. You know. But I'm not going to do that. I'm better than that. That's, that's old me. So, 
The festivities begin with the torture of Spunky, who turns out to be Robin in disguise. Now, let's not be too hasty. You can keep torturing him if you want to. Except, oh right, Batman has to do the right thing on this children's cartoon. This children's cartoon about faded glory and serious psychological damage. <laughs> so Batman chases Baby Doll, get it because her name is Doll, into an amusement park because it's been like three episodes since we went to an amusement park and somehow someone still thinks that's a good place for a climax. No less than Paul Dini thinks this is a good place for a climax, actually roll my eyes. Then Batman corners her in a hall of mirrors as I prepare to roll my eyes even harder than Batman when Robin says literally anything. They actually manage manage to make this tired old gag work somehow. Oh, right, because Paul Dini. Baby Doll sees a distorted image of what she'd look like as a non-hypoplastic woman in her 30s and completely breaks down. So the day is saved. And thankfully for Batman, nobody actually saw him make what looks like a small child weep openly. Because I think something like that might actually defeat Batman in a way that nobody at Arkham or Stonegate ever could. <laughs> this episode rules. There's a there's a point where he's chasing her through the, the, the amusement park mm-hmm. and a bunch of kids see Batman and start cheering, which mm-hmm. we don't see that often. And I, th- I feel like happens a lot if there's kids around. Because, mm-hmm. hey, kids love Batman. <laughs> I, I really like that as a scene like in this, this chase sequence because... Like, he chases her into this amusement park, and it's like, I can't find her. There's a billion fucking kids in here. So then he makes himself obvious, because, of course, all the kids are going to run up and see Batman. Oh, my God, Batman's here. Yeah, man, let's go look at Batman. Yeah, but I was was kind of surprised that wasn't played as, like, because, you know, her whole thing is, like, the the new star on her show took attention away from her. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of surprised he didn't, like, Paul Dini didn't play that as a moment of, like, why is everyone looking at Batman and not looking at me? Oh, I could I could definitely see that. That'd be that'd be an interesting way to take the episode. But as he's chasing her, like I said, my my thought was just like if he has to physically engage with her in front of people, that's it. He's his career's done. This is not going to go well for me. Cuz she has the appearance of like a 6-year-old girl. Like that's yeah. th- that's not that's not a good look, Batman. <laughs> Batman just punched me in the face. Oh, yep. crap. Yeah, I mean, I'm going she to has so much jail. You see that doll she's holding? It's actually a gun. Well, nobody's going to believe that. Okay. Batman's lying about that little girl. <laughs> yep. But thankfully, they didn't do that. They got they instead they just oh boy. Mm-hmm. Like this is my good thing. The, yeah. The final moment of this episode where Baby Doll breaks down and says her shitty sitcom catchphrase that I didn't mean to do. What was it? I didn't mean to do that or yeah. something like that. Uh, in a completely different context, should not have worked. On paper, that seems so corny and predictable. But not only did I not see it coming, it completely gut-punched me. The, and I mean, this gets into my good thing, too. The mm-hmm. voice actor for her is yeah. incredible. Yep. Like, just the the way she goes between, like, the, the, the baby voice and, like, her actual voice is so upsetting. Well, she doesn't drop the act for... I don't know, 10, 15 minutes, like a good chunk of the episode, you think that's just her voice. She talks yeah. like this or or she's crazy and thinks she's the character. But yeah, so it it double blindsides you because she's been talking like that for two thirds of the episode. And then suddenly she's like, oh, right. And this is my normal voice. Mm-hmm. Like, OK, so my good thing, mm-hmm. she baby doll is genuinely a creepy character, like mm-hmm. the voice, the look the whole thing. The episode makes does a really good job of making a threatening villain out of what should be the least threatening foe the Batman's ever faced since he pushed the Mad Hatter into a mud puddle. <laughs> like, and you mentioned this uh, in your bad thing. Like, she basically... Oh, yeah, just that, just that she looks like Elmira from Tiny Toons, and I don't like Elmira, that's all. Yeah, which is fine, but it also makes her not... Like, she looks like a Warner Brothers character in this Bruce Tim world. Like... Yeah. She doesn't work she doesn't work. She doesn't look like any of the actual kids that show up in this episode. No, what she looks like is an actual doll. Yeah. Like, in this world that that piece of animation that that, you know, that prop would look like a doll, not like an actual person that walks around and talks. Yeah. It's really upsetting. And then mm-hmm. she pulls out a gun. Mhm. And like like a like it's in her doll, but like it's a real bullet shooting handgun. Yep. And the whole thing is just ugh. everything about her is so off, and I love it. Yeah. It and 
like I've I'm very outspoken in my like, and I even covered this in my summary a little bit. Ugh, a fun house. Ugh, like he, oh she's she thinks she's a child and she's like crazy and like they're gonna play the circus music now and you know what I mean. Like there's there's so many sort of like horror mm-hmm. movie cliches in this, but they managed to dodge all of them. Yeah. Well, it's like you said. Turns out Paul Dini's kind of a good writer. Yeah. Who knew? I mean, he's not flawless. He's definitely oh, written some not. clunkers, but but yeah, I I should have given him a little more credit. Yeah. Uh, there's definitely a bit of uh, whatever happened to Baby Jane in this, mm-hmm. which I didn't realize at first, but I I uh, the DC Wiki pointed out. I was like, oh shit, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And uh, that movie's a mess, but <laughs> it, it's definitely got some uh, like Ma- definitely contributed to this. I'm gonna have to take your word for it. I haven't seen that yet. Mm, you don't need to. No. Here's the thing. It's got. Betty Davis and Joan Crawford, who had uh-huh. never appeared in a movie together before and, and kind of hated each other. There was actually like a TV miniseries about how like how it got made and how they hated each other. Yeah, wasn't that their whole deal was that they fucking loathed each other? I, you know, they were they were both competing for a lot of the same roles and they both refused to acknowledge that they were aging and, and played very age inappropriate roles as they got older. Uh, like seeing Joan Crawford at 50 trying to play 20 is Ooh. just sad. Um. But the the thing was, like, Betty Davis was, like, a serious actor and didn't mind making herself look ugly and didn't mm-hmm. mind, like, being the grotesque character because that's what actors do. And Joan Crawford always needed to look beautiful. So, like, it was a nice, like, it was an interesting thing to make a TV show about because there was a contrast there. But uh. in this movie, like, in Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, it's kind of the opposite where... Betty Davis completely dials up the camp and just plays this over the top, like, kind of like um, Baby Doll, just like this faded glory childlike character who's trying to recapture all that and Joan Crawford's playing this completely grounded her sister who's trying to like protect her uh-huh. and the two styles just don't work together at all <laughs> but there's definitely a lot of that in this uh-huh. and you know like this is this is better than that movie I would say yes it is again just those those final moments where you're like oh shit yeah and I'm, I'm so glad they got. I looked it up. Uh, Baby Doll is played by Allison LaPlaca, who uh-huh. I remember from a very forgettable Fox sitcom in the late 80s, but I've always liked her. Um, I'm so glad they didn't get Tress McNeil, who I like a good deal, but, mm-hmm. you know, she did a whole bunch of voices for Tiny Toons and Animaniacs, and I think she just would have been a little too over the top. Like, I'm glad they got, you know, mm-hmm. somebody like specific for this role and she did she did an excellent job Tress McNeil actually play Elmira for one thing uh no 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 no. Elmira was Cree Summer ah ah okay uh, yeah no you're right as soon as you said it it's like obvious. yeah uh, uh Tress McNeil was Babs Bunny and later she was Dot Warner like she was uh-huh. she was in all of those things but she wasn't uh, yeah um, there, there were some other interesting people popping up though. Like, uh, uh, the dude who played, uh, Cyclops in the X-Men movies was in yeah. it. Uh, James Marston. Yep. He was spunky. <laughs> Poor James Marston. And apparently he's going to be in a bunch of DC stuff after this. Like this was his first of many. Oh, all right. Good for him. Uh, and then in a glorious bit of stunt casting that no one noticed until the internet was around to point these things out, <laughs> the actual guy who played Cousin Oliver on the Brady Bunch That's played- fucking one of Baby Doll's former castmates, like that's maybe the dad funny. or something. Yeah, that's good. Because <laughs> uh. you know, like that—that that was, I think, the first big uh, example of that trend. Mm-hmm. Of, like, let's bring in a new, cuter, younger kid. Oh and, yeah. Like it's still named. Like the trope is named after him. Mm. What's well, like you know, I I'm not familiar with a lot of those shows, and I still knew like as soon as these shows up, like oh, the cousin Oliver's here. Yeah, well, I bet you, I bet the TGIF shows did it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like it's it's been happening for years and years, so I'm mm-hmm. sure it happened in your generation of shows too. Well, yeah, every time the uh, every time the the adorable like Michelle character would uh, get that's the Olsen twins, right? Yeah, the Olsen twins yeah. would get too old to be uh, to be appealing. Uh, yeah, you then you bring, bring in a new one else. Yeah, and this had the you know she had the extra thing of like oh she's got this like she was born with this condition that mm-hmm. makes her always look like a kid, and so. That that even adds more sting to it because, like, look, I I have to deal with this, but at least it means I can play this character forever and not age out of it. And you're still doing this to me, yeah, which is just terrible. I was thinking about this while I was watching. It's like I would feel like she would be extremely popular, uh, 
uh, for movies just uh, as a good way to exploit child labor laws. I, yeah, well, I mean, not because you have to pair and treat her like an adult, you know? Mm. I suppose that's true. That's the thing. She's like 30, they said. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought uh, Gary Coleman had this same condition. He had he had something a little different, but mm-hmm. but he had that problem as well. Uh, just that that he always looked like a kid and couldn't couldn't be taken seriously yeah. in uh, dramatic roles. What I did like was when we see her attempt to break out and get more serious. We see her playing Lady Macbeth. Uh, it's uh, what I expected. The obvious thing would be to have the audience laughing at her because she looks like a child. Mm-hmm. That wasn't what they did. What they did was she wasn't a good enough actor to pull it off. Yeah, I like That's that. That's so much better. It's yeah. nothing to do with with the condition she was born with and everything to do with, like, just... You're just a bad you, actor, dude. Yeah, like, she's, she should have just stayed in her lane because yeah. some actors just aren't good enough. <laughs> Which sucks, but, you know. I, it's also true, like... Yeah. Uh, we talk about Miriam. Oh, my God, she was fantastic. So, uh, Baby Doll's got a couple of henchmen, uh, the other two of which are clearly Gilligan and the Skipper, but yeah. uh, she's got uh, Miriam, who is a lady in a business suit and a pair of glasses that her eyes don't appear in, who will beat the shit out of you. Yeah, she's like the, uh, I can't think of another example of it, but when you got the this, this sort of like well-put-together henchman who doesn't speak mm-hmm. and can just, like, knock you on your ass without even, like, appearing to to break a sweat. You know, like, she's that one. Yeah. Only she just happens to be sort of like a, a business lady look. Like, it, yeah. it's, it's a great sort of spin on that kind of character. Well, and she's great as, like, anytime like, Baby Doll's trying to do, like, like sneak around as, like, like a little kid in public. Mm-hmm. Like, she falls into, like, the mom role. Yep, pushes her around on a stroller or yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. It's very good. Which is also a whole nother level of weird, but Yeah, like I'm not I'm not clear what their relationship is, like why she wants to help her. Maybe she's like apart from getting paid well, I'm not like, but yeah. she seems she seems very devoted. Yeah. And I'm interested like if there's a story there, if there's like a like a relationship there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. No, it's something uh, I thought about a lot while I was because like they've got like a very close relationship. Yeah, I mean if you're willing to to like pretend to be someone's mom and Mm -hmm. to and to completely just just wipe the table with anyone who you know who wrongs your your client yeah she feels a little more than just robin up by the way (laughs) yeah she does it's very good and the thing is if she was just like her assistant who happened to be good at fighting Mm -hmm. i assume she would draw the line at batman right like yeah okay, okay yeah i'll i'll keep your cast in line because that was your plan but uh hey when batman shows up eh I'll I'll fight Robin, but I, I, that's it. I'm done. Yeah, after that. But no. Yeah. yeah, it's very good. Yeah, I think I can probably kick Batman's ass. Okay, Jesus. And she does for a minute. Uh-huh. It's pretty good. That's a lot better than most people do. Yeah. I mean, again, she takes out Robin, but who uh-huh. cares? Well, listen. At this point, I'm pretty sure I could take out Robin. Uh, this actually brings me to my quote, which is Robin-related. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's me, though. Which is, I always kind of wondered what uh, Bullock's uh, reaction, like what his opinion of Robin was. And this is, this is very good. It's so good. It's me, dope. <laughs> you idiot. You can't say that to me. I'm Batman's friend. Kamish, I begrudgingly put up with the pointy eight freak, but what the hell is this child doing here? <laughs> he doesn't oh, bring nothing to the table. What? You wanna, you wanna just, just take a moment while we got time. What exactly would you say is the point of you? You don't inspire terror. You're not a good fighter. You're not a good detective. From what I can tell, you're not actually good at. Uh, let me see here. I think I wrote it down on my little detective notebook. Uh, yes. Let's see here. Literally anything. I like video games. Are you oh. good at video games? No, I like them. I will write that down. <laughs> Likes video games, exclamation point underline. In fact, there's a moment where uh, Jim Gordon's showing them like uh, the, the news footage and then uh, a tape of the of the sitcom like uh, here. This is 
these are the people who have gone missing. This is who we think is responsible. Here's what their connection is. And Robin's, you know, making dumb jokes about this. This show was terrible. Mm-hmm. And then, like, in the next scene, he meets uh, Mary Doll face to face. He's like, oh, what a cute little kid. You just watched a tape of her, man. Yeah, Come what on. What did you just learn? Oh, my God. Wow, a little girl. Mm-hmm. Robin, I can't believe I have to teach you object permeance at this point. <laughs> Does your head have like a soft fontanelle? What's wrong with you? I need my binky. <laughs> also, there was a good bit where um, Batman, I, there's nothing to this, but uh-huh. uh, Batman goes to Summer Gleason for mm-hmm. like for some intel and like, that's it. It, it wasn't like a, a clever scene in particular. It wasn't like, it was just nice to see, oh, well, this is sort of a media related thing and mm-hmm. and this thing is in the news. Let me go talk to the news lady and see if she knows anything. Yeah. And like, it was nice to see like just her appearing as someone who isn't just on the television dispensing exposition. Like she's mm-hmm. helping in the investigation and it was cool. Also, uh, Paldini seems like extra concerned with including women in his stories, which I've is nice. That, like, yes. Like the, the assistant didn't have to be a lady and mm-hmm. Summer Gleason didn't have to be the informant as we're gathering information. He just, yeah. Nice little touches there. Yeah, bring them in. I like that. Uh, what else? Well, Baby doll again. You know, was also a woman character. I, like, yeah, yeah. Bring in a new female villain. It's always good. Yeah, and she's unique to the show, right? Uh, yeah. I don't think she's ever shown up in the comic. I, I mean, that doesn't surprise me, given that this is the era of comics where Bane showed up. She really wouldn't have fit. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, the thing is, like. There's another episode with her, but like, there's not a whole lot you can do with the character. Like, this has okay. Let let me ask you, as a longtime reader and aficionado of comics, when has that ever stopped anyone? You know what? Fair enough. But I mean, there's, like, there's characters that people just like the look of them, or mm-hmm. it was the first comic they read when they were a kid, so now they get to write comics and they're going to put them in there again. But they're nothing. That's, you are that doesn't absolutely a hundred percent correct. Uh, the thing is, though, like, y- they kind of nail it out of the gate with this one. Like, yeah, this is I mean, I don't have a bad thing in this for this episode because this is probably the best villain episode of this show since Mr. Freeze. Yeah, I could see that. Like, it's that good. It's that good of just and like it's the idea is so perfect. The execution is so well done. Everything mm-hmm. about it is just ah, chef's kiss. And. Again, it's amazing to me that not only can Bane fit in this universe, mm-hmm. but also this. Like the way this world works, they they it almost the show almost feels like an anthology except I I completely believe that all of these people live in the same world, which oh, is yeah. so hard to pull off. Yeah. Well, and, like the the idea that like a giant drug uh, drug-fueled Mexican wrestleman <clears throat> and a thirty-year-old woman that looks like a five-year-old, like a five-year-old child, with uh, hypoplasia. Hypoplasia. Thank you. Uh, can it both just hang out with Batman? Is like what? Mm-hmm. But it works. Yeah, it absolutely does. And it it continues to amaze me. And uh, her follow-up appearance is also unsettling in a whole other way. I bet. Like, do you do you not remember that one? I've seen it, and I know the one you're talking about, but like, I can't remember a thing about it. It's it's incredibly unsettling. I really <laughs> enjoy it. It's honestly like I didn't remember this origin episode, which is very good. Mm-hmm. I when you say baby doll in this show, I I think of the other one. Oh wow, it's sort of next level stuff. I'm not saying it's better than this necessarily. I'm just mm-hmm. saying to me, it's more memorable. Sure. Just uh, <laughs> 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 like this one. This one cuts you to the bone, but the other one will just sort of squick you out. Uh-huh. So what the fuck's happening? <laughs> yeah. Uh, anything else? Uh, let me just look over. I didn't have a oh. whole lot of notes here either because just I was watching the episode, you know? Yeah. Oh, speaking of the assistant lady, she does she does deliver my favorite bad joke, mm-hmm. which is just like uh, either Batman or Robin, I don't remember, says, um, like, you, why are you working for her? And she just sort of looks over and says, eh, it's a living. And it's one of, like, three lines. Like, Miriam doesn't talk much. No. But then she says, the, the, like, that shitty Flintstones line. Yeah. That's very good. Yeah, I think that's everything I got. Yeah, me too. Very good episodes. Yeah, very. Good good week. Mm-hmm. 
but you know, this is a good show. Yeah. So. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, what do we got next time? Next time we've got, let me see here. Okay. Uh, the lion and the unicorn about which I remember nothing. Yeah. Me neither. And showdown, which I remember very fondly and is a very strange episode. Huh. I don't remember that one by title. Is that, is that Jonah Hex? Showdown is the Jonah Hex versus Ra's al Ghul episode. Oh. And like Batman is barely in it, if I recall correctly. Huh. Well, it's, it's, a, like, it's a flashback to the Old West, right? Yeah, it's basically, I, th- I think, and it's been years since I saw this, but I think it's Roz telling Batman a story about how he fought Jonah Hex. Yeah, that's fine. Again, lots of things can fit in this world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just looked up, I thought uh, The Lion and the Unicorn was another Red Claw episode, and it is. Okay, that makes so, sense. I, I have fond memories of Red Claw, and I remember not liking her so far. That maybe this is the one where, where she pulls it together and, and like gets cooler. Mm-hmm. Because their last appearances have not been that impressive, one. Yeah, not so much. Yeah. All right. Well, as ever, our website is kidslovebatman.com. If you want to write to us, it is kidslovebatman uh, podcast at Gmail. We have just released a, uh, we call these our Christmas crossover, mm-hmm. even though the, sh- the two shows that cross over don't exist anymore. Like, <laughs> Drunken Time Travel is is long gone, and Post-Atomic Horror is question marks. The the shows that are the crossover no longer exist, and also Christmas is over. But uh... well, that was a scheduling thing. Sure. Um, but we and our good friends, uh, Irish Gav, who you've heard on this show, and uh, his friend, who I, I mean, our friend as well, mm-hmm. who is also named Gav, but is from England, so we call him English Gav. Yep. Uh, the four of us reviewed the He Man She Ra Christmas special. And I had a blast with that because it was exactly the kind of stupid that I enjoy. Oh, so much fun. Yeah. And it's really just us doing the Skeletor voice for an hour. But, yep. Um, that is actually available uh, for on the feed and the website for our old Star Trek show, Post-Atomic Horror. So postatomichorror.com or, you know, on iTunes or whatever. So uh, if you're interested, check that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are on Twitter at Algar, at Robot Matt. And that's all for this time. Yeah. See you, folks. For more information about this show and the people who make it, visit kidslovebatman.com. To provide financial support for this show and all of the shows produced by Algar Productions, consider a pledge at patreon.com algar. That's double A-L-G-A-R. The Kids Love Batman podcast is a co-production of Matt Robotham and Ron Algar Watt. Copyright 2020, Algar Productions. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.